from Bristol, UK. I'm Pommy Harmer. I'm Melissa Shemam, and this is The Quarantini. in the show this week we'll hear about the difficulties and joys of getting out into the countryside for women of colour. And we have a roundup of creative ideas from all over the world plus a new track by Grove and Hope Creative. Thank you very much to Seb Gutierrez and the Old Bone Collectives for our intro music. Hello and welcome back. Hi Melissa. Hello. Even though we've been getting out into the countryside more and more during the last year, has this been the case for people of colour? I met up with a brand new walking group, Bristol Stepping Sisters. Here are the organisers, Sophie Brown and Ruth Pitter, to tell me all about it. Now, you are both really keen walkers, aren't you? Sophie, tell me first, how much do you like to walk? Literally every day, to be honest. doesn't have to be far, but yeah, I, I walk every day. And what is it about walking that you really like? So just strolling along, you know, paying no mind to the busyness of what's going on around me. And just taking things in, like maybe um, the sound of the birds and the wind in the trees. And Ruth, you really like to walk, don't you? You walk long distance, I know this. Tell us about that. Yeah, I love walking a bit like Sophie. I just like, if I could walk every day, I'd be out there walking every day. And I think the thing that... Um, probably stops me from doing more is time you have to give yourself some time to get from a to b it's easier to get on a bus or to drive and i think it started for me when i was younger i didn't realize this but i was a bit stingy i used to get my um, pocket money and i didn't want to spend it on the bus fare <laughs> so i used to walk everywhere with my friend and spend our bus fare on other things and that was when I first started walking. But that was just walking around the city, you know, getting from A to B. But I think in recent years, uh, a friend of mine told me they were going to do the Camino de Santiago in Spain, which is a 500-mile walk. And I never saw myself as a walker at all. But the idea of doing something like that, a challenge, just, just really started buzzing in my head. And then it dawned on me that in order to do that, you need to train, which means you have to start walking. <laughs> And I had to be honest, I hadn't even thought about the amount of training. Yeah. So before you did the Camino, you weren't you wouldn't have thought of yourself as a walker? No, no. I never really considered myself a walker until I did the Camino in 2011. It was when I started doing the training, I decided I realised how much I enjoyed it. And like Sophie said, just about going out and, you know, hearing birds, seeing nature. I, I even don't mind walking around streets and, you know, sometimes be really nosy and look into people's houses, see people's gardens. Oh, their garden looks really nice. You know, it, there's always something interesting to find, isn't there? Mm. Mm. People's front gardens are endlessly fascinating, I think. So, Sophie, tell us about your connection with walking. Have you walked all your life? I was born in Bath and I grew up in Chippenham. OK, so in Wiltshire. Yeah, in Wiltshire. Um, and I had my favourite place, Bird's Marsh, it was called. And we had a tree house up there. And like, as from the age of 12, I found myself doing a lot of wandering off, like walking on my own solo walking. And I just, I probably talked to animals more than human beings when I was a child, just walking everywhere, stopping, saying hello to people, you know. So I've always just like walking. So you felt that the, the countryside was your place to be? I used to just wander off sometimes. Then, you know, people used to ask where I was and my mum used to say, oh, she's just an indigo child, she'll be back soon. 
you know, <laughs> just make sure I got home before the sun went down. I was fine. Brilliant. Brilliant way to grow up. Now, you, so you've started this fantastic organisation called Bristol Stepping Sisters, and that's for women of colour, taking them out and getting them out of the city sometimes, not always, but out into the countryside. So just tell me a little bit about that. When I moved to Bristol, I didn't see, I mean, I was walking, but I didn't see much uh, women or people of colour walk in, especially like on the outskirts of Bristol in, in the countryside and things like that. You know, I always say this, I think it all stems from um, the group where we were in lockdown. You know, obviously, it was a really bad time we were going through. And I used to take that hour out, what we were allowed an hour. And I used to go out and think, right, I wonder if other people would benefit from this. And that's how it all started, really. You're making it easier for women to get out there. Ruth, what do you think about this? Do you think there are barriers for women of colour? Oh, gosh, yeah, 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 definitely. Tell us about some of those. Well, uh, Sophie's had a different experience because she was brought up in the countryside. So she's a bit more used to being in the country and probably feels more comfortable being in the countryside. And the countryside has never been part of my my upbringing. So for a lot of black women, it is very alien and very new. I'm not saying all, but for a lot. So one is about the unf- not being familiar with spaces or with that with the with the, um countryside um not having anyone else to walk with is 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 a barrier being out in spaces sometimes and being looked at and being stared at and it, it might well be that people are staring at us because okay they're black women you never see black women out in the countryside and so they're staring but even so because you're being stared at it makes you feel sometimes that it might make you feel you're not feel being made to feel welcome. So it was really important to try and encourage women out into those spaces. And Sophie's, you know, she's brilliant in her vision. And actually, if we if we go together, if there's a group of us that are going together, it's much more about our feeling safe as well. But also there's a sense of sisterhood. And what I found, and it's been really exciting is that women coming out and wanting to come back and want to come to the next walk and, what, and, you know, really making time in their diaries. Women that haven't walked before or walked a little bit in lockdown are suddenly, like, coming to all the walks and really making it a priority for themselves. It's about, you know, addressing mental health issues, um, just well general well-being, you know, the sense, like I said, of sisterhood. Then suddenly feeling you've got safety in numbers. We did a walk around a golf course and I keep, you know, I talk about this quite a lot because um, how many of us have actually walked around a golf course? Um, it's very much a, a place where it's very male, very white. And suddenly you've got this massive group of black women walking around a golf course. I mean, that sense of power that I think, you know, we felt by being in that really unfamiliar territory that we're very rarely invited into. But there was a group of us and we were going to own it. You know, I think we all got a massive strength from that, as well as the fact that we enjoyed the reactions of the the guys, the the white men seeing this army of black women. (laughs) I'd love to have seen that. But it's those sorts of things about being in those unfamiliar spaces, but also feeling really safe about it and feeling that we have a right. We deserve to be in these spaces. The golf course was a public footpath, so it wasn't like we were trespassing. But we've got a right to be in these spaces, so why aren't we, you know? And if we can encourage more women to be in those spaces, more women of colour, then next time round, they may just go in their small groups of twos or threes or whatever. They don't 
you know, always need Bristol Stepping Sisters. For us, it's great to have the group, but if women want to go off and do their own walk because they now feel more confident to do so, that in itself is a massive yeah. achievement. Yeah. It's quite revolutionary what you're doing, isn't it? Sophie, how, I know you've been really successful. Just tell me how successful this group has been. Well, to be honest, it is, it is growing. We've got over, over 300 women in the group now. 300? Yeah, in the group. But you'll get the, I think the most we've had to come out is 30. We started two and a half months ago, wasn't it? It's first of April was the very first walk. Yeah, so I think it's grown a lot. And um, I'm quite surprised as well at the number of uh, women actually coming out and looking forward to coming back to walks, you know? Also, people have, have developed friendships, haven't they, within the group that have just yeah. happened naturally by walking and finding that they've got connections in some way. And so people have gone off and, you know, they've created their own friendships. This is brilliant. It's really, really wonderful. It works on so many levels, I guess, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. So where do you walk? Tell me some of the places you go to. Where, where, where have you been and where are you planning to go? So at the moment, the group just goes places where I, I'm very familiar with uh, for the fact that it means it's been risk assessed, so I know where I'm going. So it's Glastonbury. Lovely. Uh, where else are we going? We're doing the uh, Portishead to Clevedon Coastal Walk on Saturday for the second time. Lee Woods, Snuff Mills. Kings Western House. Um, we've done Cardiff last weekend. Yeah. <laughs> so we're just branching out into all these little... Pensford. Pensford, yeah, that, that's a nice one. We've won it. Um, you know, we just ended up in this lovely pub and felt welcome. It was lovely. I was saying, Pommy, when you said about revolutionary, so some of the walks have been arranged, people have to get on the bus. It's quite funny when we turn up at the bus station and suddenly all these black women, like 25 black women, are sort of waiting to get on the bus <laughs> and you can see everyone looking around thinking, where have they all come from? And people want to ask but not want to ask and then some British person comes up and says, where are you all going? The bus turns up and the driver turns up and suddenly <laughs> this bus driver's got these 25 black women waiting to get on the bus to go somewhere like Glastonbury or Wells or Pensford. And it's probably the first time they've ever seen so many black women get on a bus. <laughs> I've seen some of the pictures. It's really, really good. It looks like a lot of fun. It's been a great way to come out of lockdown. It's really helped to get us emerging from lockdown and, you know, easing back into general, like, you know, everyday life. But to have that to look forward to has been fantastic. And, and to be meeting, you know, some really lovely, interesting, wonderful, caring women. Love it. OK. Bristol Stepping Sisters. So how can women of colour get hold of you if they want to come walking with you? They can go on Facebook, Instagram or uh, Twitter. We're on there. And we do have an email address as well. And also it's through friends, I think, who's on Facebook. Um, usually gives them the word of mouth and they can have my private number and I can WhatsApp them individually. Thank you both so much for talking to me today. Thank you. OK, thank you, Pommy. That was Sophie Brown and Ruth Pitter from Bristol Stepping Sisters. Very interesting, and I think it's very true for a lot of people in the UK, but in the rest of the world as well. OK, it's time for our roundup. Melissa, what have we got? Now, of course, you all know that the planned force phase of the removing lockdown in England, due to take place the 21st of June, has been delayed, delayed for four weeks. And all over the world, the COVID news are not really that cheerful, aren't they? <laughs> 
Here in the UK, the Prime Minister said now we're aiming for 19th of July as a terminus date. But, you know, aren't we a little bit sceptical? <laughs> we'll see. This is, of course, because of the new Delta variant. But we still have some good news for you guys. For instance, here, a walk-in Pfizer vaccination clinic is opening today. It's Saturday the 19th, as we record. All adults of the age of 21 in the UK can book their vaccination online through the NHS website. So this is stepping up and we should see the results very soon. And also this week, Bristol has become the second city in the UK to secure gold sustainable food city status. They've been after this for many, many years. And this status recognises the council's innovative approach towards tackling food inequality, reducing waste and increasing urban growing. So that's fantastic news for Bristol and also fantastic news despite the most challenging of years that we've just been through. Absolutely. Another good news from Bristol is this project for some unique micro-homes to be built here in Bristol, in especially old garage sites, to help the city tackle its housing crisis. They're called gap homes because they will be constructed in small spaces between houses and gardens. And the concept is the first of its kind, according to the developers, in feature areas of uh, shared green space, community gardens, outdoor sitting, and thus to encourage neighbourly connections, of course, and interactions. The first proposed site is a place called Hallfield in the north of um, the city centre, uh, near the South Mid Hospital, for those who know Bristol really well. And a consultation is actually um, happening at the moment, launched by the city council to make that happen. could be lovely. Well, with numbers rising to nearly half a million over the next few years, we definitely need new homes in Bristol. Now, the first non-socially distanced music festival in the British Isles this summer has been held. It was held in Guernsey and 4,000 people attended it. It was called the Guernsey Together Festival. It's brand new, it's never been held before. And it gave a platform to local bands and DJs who haven't been able to perform as many live gigs have been cancelled due to the pandemic. All ages were represented at the festival and they included a dance tent and a family zone with bouncy castles, arts and crafts, lots of locally produced food and alcohol. It showcased the very best of Guernsey, featuring a trader's village where stallholders were able to pitch their products to new customers. And while cases were rising in neighbouring Jersey, organisers reassured festival goers by keeping a record of all 4,000 people who attended. It's incredible. I think there was a test concert of that kind in Liverpool that went really well. But who would ever thought that a first real festival would happen in Guernsey? I didn't even know there was yeah. a, above 4,000 people on the whole island. <laughs> well, it's Nor good news. In the meantime, in Wales, um, a plan uh, is finally on track to try basic income, a pilot scheme. We've talked a lot about basic income in mm. this podcast. And Wales is now... Um, to become the latest place to try this universal basic income. Um, this scheme could help, firstly, 5,000 people, including children, and they could receive uh, some money um, that is £213 per week, which is really not bad, isn't it? With no strings attached, no restrictions, no uh, criteria, right? Of course, the UK government must still approve this pilot and we know they're not really um, completely 
you know, supporting basic income, but I think we can't avoid this pilot statistics place. That's how we're going to know if it works. And actually, one of the recent ones happened in a place called Stoke Town in California, USA, and they found that the regular payment boosted mental health among participants and, of course, improved the chance of getting full-time work. It's a wonderful thing. I'm sure it could work. Really interesting to see if it gets taken up in Wales and what happens if it does. And now, moving right the way across the world to Japan, this week, a 57-metre Buddhist statue dedicated to the Goddess of Mercy, Canon, in central Japan has been draped with a giant face covering. Temple managers plan to keep the figure masked until the COVID pandemic is brought under control. It took four climbers three hours to hoist the mask into position and make it safe. And you can watch them doing it on the most beautiful statue uh, online. Meanwhile, in France, uh, the government has decided to lift all mandatory mask wearing for outdoor places. And they will halt the eight months long nightly coronavirus related curfew um, just you know, this weekend. So masks will still be required on public transport and stadiums and other crowded places. But the Prime Minister, Jean Castex, welcomed this very good news. It is good news. France will be happy not to have a curfew anymore. And finally, Melissa, nothing whatever to do with COVID, but I put it in because you like animals. A new <laughs> species of the ancient giant rhino amongst the largest mammals to walk on the earth has been discovered in northwestern China. It's called the Paraceratherium linchainsi, which lived some 26.5 million years ago and weighed 21 tonnes. It was the equivalent of four large African elephants. This hornless creature's head could reach seven metres to graze treetops, making it taller than a giraffe. Wow, this is impressive. I guess I'm not going to give it a hug then. <laughs> Maybe round its leg. <laughs> and for now, something completely different for me. Yes, we have a track. It's one of the latest in Bristol Beacon's project, a new song for Bristol. It's called Lockdown Rhythm, and it's written and performed by Grove in collaboration with members of the Hope Creative. Grove says lockdown has the potential to be this all-consuming negative experience, especially for young people. When posing the topic to the young people in the Hope Creative, I wanted to fully honour their genuine experience, good or bad, of the 10 months of various lockdowns, but also encouraging them to take a perspective that looked to the future as one that's bursting with potential. He also says, I'm hoping people will look back and appreciate the resilience they had in order to get through this. So here it is, it's called Lockdown Rhythm, written and performed by Grove in collaboration with members of Hope Creative. Stuck inside another day, another night But we don't waste time, no, we step into our light Saying big up the growth, yeah, we call that amplified Dreaming up the future memories, they rewind, rewind, rewind We kill it, focus, distill it, tackle things based on where we used to feel timid uh, We kill it, focus, distill it In community is where the soul feels lifted out We just got to take time Take time, we just got to take time. 
Done with the lockdown rhythm With the lockdown rhythm We done with the lockdown rhythm Stuck inside, sometimes fear sets in in the stillness of night. Sometimes the madness calls when the moon's shining bright. I miss close family and distant friends, things I took for granted, especially miss them. Try to see this as a new beginning, not an end. for the quarantine this week. This episode was hosted by me, Melissa Shemam. Produced and hosted by me, Pomi Hama. And thanks to you all for listening. And stay safe.